Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. On the show this week, we'll be looking at Nigeria and the militant Islamist insurgency that has grabbed the world's attention in recent days. Nigeria's status as the new economic powerhouse of Africa was supposed to be the talking point of a meeting of African leaders and top executives in Abuja this week. Instead, the world is in uproar about the government's slow, and some may even say indifferent, response to the abduction of more than 200 schoolgirls by the Boko Haram Islamist terrorist group last month. Western governments have become increasingly concerned by the upsurge in attacks and by the Nigerian state's apparent inability to deal with the militant threat. Joining me down the line from Nigeria is William Wallace, the FT's Africa Affairs writer, and with me in the studio in London is Javier Blas, the FT's Africa editor. William, can I come to you first of all? Talk us through what happened with the latest incident regarding these 200 or more schoolgirls. On the same day that a bomb blew up a crowded bus station in Abuja, marking the first time in a long time that Boko Haram has been able to strike the capital, large numbers of Boko Haram gunmen stormed a school in a remote part of the northeastern state of Borno. And dressed as soldiers, they persuaded an unknown number of girls, in fact, but more than 200, to come out of their dormitories. And they then burnt the school down and took off with the girls in a series of trucks. At an early stage, about 50 of the girls were able to escape. But it's thought that as many as 276 are still in captivity somewhere, either in a remote part of Borno State, which has very difficult forested desert and also mountainous terrain, or some of them may even have been trafficked already across the border into Chad and neighbouring Cameroon. Why have the Nigerian authorities not been able to track them down? Is it because the area is remote, it's too risky, or do they just worry that they lack the capacity to take on this group? Well, according to security officials here, the military has followed multiple leads uh, in their attempt to find the girls. This has been complicated, however, by the fact that some villages in that area, large parts of which are effectively ungoverned, have been infiltrated by Boko Haram. And in other villages, uh, people are too terrified of reprisals to collaborate with the authorities. So the search has been hampered partly by that. It's also been hampered by huge amounts of confusion about how many girls were taken, how they were able to be taken. But clearly, at the very outset, the military was slow to respond, although some soldiers in the area reportedly did put up something of a fight before the gunmen were able to get to the school. Javier, if I come to you, Boko Haram is not the only Islamist militant group in Africa, but it certainly seems the most 
bloodthirsty. Is this now the biggest threat to regional peace? Certainly it's the biggest threat that Nigeria is suffering. But if you, we look at Boko Haram, all the attacks have been so far very much concentrated in this remote area of northeast Nigeria that William is describing. They have not been able to attack Abuja, the capital, in, in two years. Indeed, the, the recent bombing was the first time that it happened really since uh, since 2012. So at the moment and so far has been very much a national problem. We are not talking here about the risk of al-Shabaab in the eastern part of Africa, where has been able to attack multiple countries with attacks in Nairobi, Kenya, Uganda, Somalia, and threats also into into Tanzania. And neither is able to mount the attacks that we have seen from al-Qaeda in the Maghreb, where we have seen attacks from Mali to also Algeria, and potentially also being involved in Libya. So, so far, Boko Haram has been mostly a local problem for Nigerian authorities. I'm, I'm very much targeting Nigerian targets rather than, than international targets. There have been uh, some incidents uh, involving also international targets. So I would not say that it's the biggest threat for peace and stability in the region, but certainly they are grabbing their attention with uh, very spectacular attacks, uh, grabbing the headlines and really hitting in, in a moment where there was a lot of international attention for a good reason into Nigeria. Yes, I mean, the fact that most of their attacks or all of their attacks are concentrated in Nigeria clearly is one of the reasons why very little international attention has been dedicated to this threat. But that's changed now. And you're now hearing security analysts wondering about whether Boko Haram actually has the capacity to project or to at least carry out threats overseas or against Western targets. How serious do you think the Western intelligence agencies now take that? At the moment, we are seeing mostly Boko Haram as a Nigerian problem. It has some ramification, obviously, in the region because Boko Haram also operates in Cameroon and in, in Chad, and they have bases there. And and those areas are, as, as William was saying, basically with no uh, proper government. They're very remote, rural, forestry areas with very much no control. The border doesn't exist, so to speak. But it's not a regional threat. We are not seeing attacks by Boko Haram in Chad. We're not seeing attacks by Boko Haram in Cameroon. It's, it's mostly so far it's, it's a Nigerian problem but this is going to concentrate minds and probably what we are going to see is a, a larger effort from Nigeria and international help is pouring British officials have offered help American officials have offered help the French and the Chinese are offering help it, it seems that these four large powers have now satellites really tracking this remote area of Nigeria trying to find out what's happening on the ground so we are going to see probably more an international push to try to deal with with Boko Haram. William, what sort of help does Nigeria actually need in terms of dealing with this problem? I think initially the satellites will be very helpful to them. In terms of dealing with the problem of finding the girls, I think it's, it's very difficult. There are two different versions, or there are many versions, I should say, of whether they actually know where some of them are. And in one version, it suggests that actually they're very reluctant to storm the area because they fear that the group could actually massacre the girls. So, so they're being very cautious. But then there are other accounts coming also from official sources that suggest they really don't have an idea of their exact location. So any of this logistical help that could help them track the girls could also, at a later stage in a bigger strategic fight against Boko Haram, be useful in tracking the group and its whereabouts in what is a very remote place. There is also some talk now that drones could be provided for Nigeria in their fight against Boko Haram.
So is it a lack of means from the Nigerian government or a lack of kind of will to, to really tackle this problem? Well, if you look over the past year since the government declared a state of emergency in the three worst affected northeastern provinces and also sent a military surge in there, it was clear at the beginning that Boko Haram had been put on the back foot. It was largely driven out of urban areas. And one of the reasons for these brutal attacks on rural and village areas is because they were driven out of urban spaces. So they were initially very successful. I think what you've seen in the last few months is the group hitting back at softer targets, partly because they were under pressure. But there are a significant number of Boko Haram extremists. Some official estimates here suggest as many as 5,000. And the Nigerian army is extremely stretched. It has soldiers deployed in, in around 25 of the 36 states in the federation, policing the peace. And so the troop numbers that they have there may be inadequate, given that it's a vast, vast space and very difficult to operate in. And to what extent do you think the insurgency, if you like, is actually born out of religious grievances or inter-religious conflict in Nigeria and socio-economic factors, uh, lack of jobs and opportunity that will last for decades and, and will therefore perpetuate the problem? Well, actually, if you look over history, there is a long track record of charismatic preachers carrying an extreme message and developing a significant following in that part of Nigeria. And so this is very much not the first time that something like this has happened. I think the Boko Haram group grew out of, uh, of one charismatic preacher who was killed, in fact, in 2009 whilst in custody. And his successor has taken a much more violent approach to his attempts to carve out uh, an Islamic caliphate, if you like, in, in part of Nigeria. There is also the fact that over the past 15 years or so, the southern part of Nigeria, or at least pockets of it, have developed much faster, and you're seeing relative prosperity coming to those parts of the country, which have benefited much more from liberal market reforms. And in parallel, the north, which was very much state-supported in the past, where you had big industry that was state-subsidized, has, has been in very sharp economic decline. And clearly that does provide something of a propitious climate for extremism. Javier, the World Economic Forum is meeting in Abuja this week. To what extent do you think Nigeria's reputation has been tarnished. Certainly, Nigeria is missing an opportunity for projecting the good image that they wanted. It was used by a very careful plan by the government. Only a few weeks ago, Nigeria, with the support of international partners, including the International Monetary Fund, announced a revision of his statistics that revealed that his GDP was significantly higher than we thought, and indeed the largest in Africa, well above South Africa. Then the great and good of Africa was the sending into Abuja for the Davos of Africa, the World Economic Forum, where the country was going to showcase his economic strength as, as an investment destination. Certainly these news are bad for the reputation of Nigeria, particularly the handling and the way it has been handled in public has not been the best one. But if you look at the long term, it's still 170, 175 million people, economy growing at 7% every year. That means that the size of the Nigerian economy doubles every decade. So it's still an area that is going to attract international investors. The area where the violence has been focused so far in the, in the northeast and in 
the Nigerian authorities are able to contain Boko Haram into the, the three northeastern states, I think that the economy of the rest of the country could continue. The main problem is we will continue having these imbalances with the north doesn't develop and the south continue to develop. But there is a tradition of emerging markets, including India, in some cases you could even find a situation in China with Tibet and, and in some areas of Latin America, particularly let's, let's remember Colombia with the drug problem or Mexico with the drug problem where internal conflicts and insurgency happen at the very same time that economic growth goes very fast and indeed international investors continue going into the country. But it doesn't make any favours to Nigeria what is happening. And that's it for this week. My thanks to William Wallace and to Javier Blas. World Weekly is produced by Katie Carney. Till next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.